Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer that followed my talk about the haunted forest. And we are going to go into the Q&A session to answer the questions people have submitted. You don't have to submit questions about the Haunted Forest, guys. It can be about Destiny 2 in general, if you'd like. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live, twitch.tv slash rage and follow me on Twitter as well, at rage. And I want to interact with what Milky is saying, because at the end of my talk, I did say this really needs loot drops in it, especially with random rolls. The lack of loot drop, I think, is a, is a vacancy. And he says it's a deal breaker. Uh, Forsaken has so much more compelling content. Haunted Forest honestly feels like year one to me. It looks fun, but ultimately the grind is unrewarding. The reason I, I, I would push back a little bit is I would say at least the content's challenging and unique that you can push yourself and a team to get further and further each time, and the further you get, the more efficient your grind. I think that is like a, a, a very good spectrum to have in place, um, because as you can see, as I just said, pushing and using EP shoddy, not always, not always the best course of action because of the nature of how strong everything is in here. We I think we may have just gotten wiped. Um, yeah, but thankfully, you don't get wiped in the boss room. So, again, EP shoddy shoving gets less and less viable the further you get, uh, just because of the sheer nature of how quickly the boss can damage you. So that might be, honestly, that may be an answer to my EP shoddy uh, frustrations. Honestly, if more enemies, if more enemies, like, delta scale up, delta scale up their, their ground pound, um... That would be really good because blackout's on right now. Blackout is probably proccing on that that ability that the servitor does to you up close. It's probably triggering as like a melee ability, and that's probably why when you're really close to him right now, you just you absolutely get uh, demolished. That may be the answer because a lot of people are like, "Oh, you get knocked back." I mean, you can cancel knockback with a well-timed melee, so. I think this content's showing how there's design deficiencies in the game that may be leading to EP shotgun's efficiency. So I may have to update my my opinion on the matter. Uh, let's take the first question, though. Uh, it comes from Jaggy Snake. It says, do you think Infinite Forest will be making a permanent comeback in the future update uh, or will it be like SRL and only for events only? As I said in my talk, I sure hope not. I really, really hope not. I think this content has massive potential for rhythmic presence in the game. Uh, I would never want to see content like this I would never want to see content like this showing up once a year because it's grindable and farmable content. SRL showing up infrequently didn't bother me because it was racing. It wasn't like... It wasn't like garden variety Destiny content. It was was racing. And so I just... I never really felt like SRL was compelling enough to be in the game uh, full-time. So I think that you could easily... I think that you could easily do without... Uh, SRL, but I think this is good. This is good grind. This is a fun grind, and being in the game rhythmically, like like faction rally, uh, I think it has its place. Frick, blackouts on. Uh, no lives left. Says if you think uh, if you could think of a way to permanently implement Haunted Forest, how would you do it, and what do you believe would be the reward? Well, if I'm gonna permanently implement it, then you rotate it like all the other content, like Escalation Protocol Shotgun. Again, I res myself, and I shouldn't have. Um, uh, I would make it like uh, Escalation Protocol um, because each week you could have a rotating weapon to chase 
And again and again, this is where gear drops and and random rolls could have a significant value increase for this content, right? If you are coming in here every week and there's a rocket launcher, there's a hand cannon, there's an auto rifle, there's all these different things that you can grind for each time and it just rotates, I think you've just created another version of something like Escalation Protocol. Now again, I'm going to go back to things I said during my Escalation Protocol talk. We need other perks. I'm not going to come in here and grind my grind my face off for a hand cannon that's energy or a shotgun or anything that's not as good as existing gear. We need new perks to make guns and things unique and to make them winsome and pursuable. That's in general an end game incentivization problem when you have a power hierarchy disruption or an imbalance. It's hard to justify grinding this every week if it gets harder and harder, if the drop rate's low, if the likelihood of getting your your god roll is pretty low. I just don't think people are going to put up with crappy drop rates. Uh, they're not going to put up with crappy drop rates and they're not going to put up with low chance of low chance of success on like getting their god roll if the god roll once achieved doesn't really do a whole lot for their optimum build. That, that's where I really feel like new perks need to come into play. Dark Armory uh, could certainly help with this. Dark Armory could certainly help with this. This is an area where, you know, the game the game has the pieces net needed right now. The game has the pieces needed right now to be amazing. It just needs to continue to iterate on those existing pieces. Like, I don't want to feel like new gear is just kind of a joke or purely a cosmetic endeavor. It's kind of how it feels right now. And that's that's how it would feel if they added guns to a pursuit like this, but they didn't add new perks. You need new perks to... Ah, you need new perks to make them winsome because that makes the guns unique. Like, that's why EP Shoddy was such a good pursuit. It was like, yo, Trench Barrel's literally never be, been in the game before. I want to go after that. Uh, we need more of that. We need more of that. I think that creates value. That creates good longevity. And as long as we beat this guy in the next five seconds, we will get to do uh, one more wave. So good job. Literally one second on the buzzer. Nice job, guys. Uh, waits for none. Uh, I just thought of this. Is the current pulse meta due to the broadsword quest and pulses being so strong or just because of the strength of the weapon type? I mean, there's a lot of reasons that pulse meta is in PvP. I think broadsword's probably there. Uh, Broadsword's probably in that mix of incentivization as to why you're seeing so many people using it. It's also just a great weapon type for PvP. There's a lot of lanes and a lot of choke points and pulses get their legs. And I think people were using... Uh, people were using Vigilance Wing and people were using the Graviton Lance a lot before Forsaken. So I think map pacing and map strategy really started to embrace, really started to embrace pulses. And especially if people are really, really dedicated to team shot, if people are really, really dedicated to team shot, it's super hard to play against two pulse rifles. Their damage output is fast and fairly easy you don't have to be very good to use a pulse rifle and i apologize for the sound above me i don't know why my son is doing what he's doing and being allowed to do what he's doing but i apologize for the sound it's it's really uh loud and i don't know why it's happening um so 
to me, that's one of the main reasons. There, it's ease of use, and we spent months leading up to Forsaken with almost nothing but pulses being the most effective weapons in the game. Uh, between between you had you had Graviton Lance and you had Vigiwing, and I think people just learned they were like, if I shoot multiple bullets, that really increases the likelihood of that really increases the likelihood of me getting damage on people. And when me and my buddy both do it, and the lethality of the weapons has been turned up, I mean, what are you going to go with? Precision weapons like a hand cannon or a scout? Or something where, if your aim's kind of crappy, you still get decent damage. And if you and your buddy are both shooting, I mean, it's just a lot of damage in a short amount of time. Uh, Hi, I'm Iron Max. From what we've seen so far, is is the event worth a grind? What are you grinding for? I like to grind for weapons, okay? Even if you go and you watch my Escalation Protocol shotgun talk, and I talk about how, you know, weapon incentivization is a little low for me right now, because god rolls don't feel like god rolls when they diminish your efficiency, right? Running this content without EP shoddy, you would feel you would feel weaker. You 100% would feel weaker. No doubt about it. Uh... And I think that's a problem for weapon incentivization. But even with that being a problem for weapon incentivization, I still just love chasing weapons because then I can try them out. And the auto rifle genuinely looks pretty cool. Uh, it looks pretty, pretty cool. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to enjoy trying it out. I like auto rifles. I don't know if auto rifles need any help right now. I think they might need some help. I think they might be in kind of a weird place. Um, with respect to with respect to how strong they are in PvP and PvE um, just because you know, the way that they shoot and the way they dole out damage it, it feels a little bit like it feels a little bit like they uh, they're easy they're easy to not get killed by in PvP because you can just kind of leave the lane as you're dying and I don't know if that's because they need a bump in lethality or if that's just the nature of the weapon in general like when you look at it, how an auto rifle does damage unless you're a complete and utter idiot it's pretty it's pretty clear to know like I'm not gonna win this fight this guy's out shooting me or whatever and then you just leave the lane now if two people are shooting auto rifles I think generally what you're gonna deal with in PvP lethality is that so many people are using pulses that you're just gonna end up getting pulsed to death at range because auto rifles you got to be a little bit you got to be quite a bit closer um, to get that to get that that good damage and you know I don't know so auto rifles are kind of in a weird spot, but I still want to chase it. I don't know. And if some people want to get all the masks. Some people want to get all the masks, you know? Uh, Synco, Syncopathic Gaming says, is Luna's Howl worth it for a newer player? If you're a newer player, probably not. If you're a newer player, a Luna's Howl grind is an enormous commitment, and you probably don't need it. And so I would say you're going to enjoy the content a little bit more if you go and do and pursue other things. You, I don't think you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I must get a Luna's Howl. Um... I don't think that that's a thing. I think that the people that are like, oh my gosh, I got to get a Luna's Howl are like hardcore PvP players. And if that's you, if you're a newer player and they're like, dude, I'm a hardcore PvP player. Um, why does my camera look so different? I didn't change anything on my cam. Um, I didn't change anything. My shirt is like glowing. I just noticed that. It wasn't do. I don't feel like it was doing that in my other scene. 
Um, that's a sat. That's like it's like I'm oversaturated. I 100% did not do that. I didn't change any. I didn't change any settings. I don't know why that's doing that. I literally in my other scene didn't look like that. At least I didn't think I looked like that. Maybe I just didn't notice. I was like actually legitimately glowing. Um, blurriness says, why do you think the infinite forest didn't incorporate some version of loopable content from the release of Osiris? I find it hard to believe Bungie hadn't thought about it. Um, okay. Here's what, here's what I think. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to theorize. I don't have any inside information. Okay. I'm going to theorize. And this has to do with a lot of things I've said about destiny two in previous videos. Um, I didn't turn, I didn't turn alerts back on. So I missed a few things. Uh, big Mike with 18 months and four months from Wolverine. Thank you for those resubs guys. Uh, I don't know if I ever made an official video about this, but I came up with the term destiny two, uh, was a game of concepts. It was a game of concepts and being a game of concepts. I think a lot of stuff was just not realized. It wasn't fleshed out. It wasn't developed in a good way. Um, it wasn't, it was, it was like a placeholder. It was like, okay, we've got this idea for adventures on the map. We've got this idea for lost sectors on the map. Cool. Put them in there. And then those concepts didn't get drilled down on. There was no reason to run adventures. There was no reason to run lost sectors. They just kind of chilled. Now there's a reason to run lost sectors. There's wanted bosses in them, and you can go farm for a dust rock blues, or you can go farm for a, you know, an ether doctor or whatever. These are things that require time, because you can't just be like, well, create investment paths, Bungie. You know, just do it, forehead. It's not that simple. And so I think Forsaken did exactly what I said could be done with Destiny. They looked at all the the concepts and they drilled down, okay? They just drilled down on all the concepts. I I think that Infinite Forest was in a similar place. They were like, okay, we've got this idea for content that has it, it, it it's random it's random because of how it's pieced together and then in being random you you're not going to have the same experience every time you go in and we call it the infinite forest and people are like oh neat infinite forest that sounds so cool and then in execution it ended up being literally just like a parkour simulator you didn't have to kill the enemies like you just kind of move through it it like it didn't leave its conceptual phase they took the randomization, they took the pieces, and they pieced it all together, and they're like, here you go. They didn't drill down. There was no incentivization. There was no loot to chase. There was no way to even kind of loop through it if you wanted. So I think Bungie looked at everything in the game, and they're like, how can we drill down in it? And that's the philosophy of, remember what I said, put a well behind the wall? Like, give me investment paths that are kind of behind something. Like, once I get access to something, give me investment. Give me a well to dive down into. Create a wall, right? A power gate. 
uh, create that wall. Once I get behind the wall and I get into the end game, I have investment pads. And they've largely done that with a lot of things in Destiny. Nightfall specific loot, uh, specific loot and, and random rolls, the raid, uh, Shattered Throne, changing things on the Dreaming City, Dreaming City bounties, Ascendant challenges. There's all these things that you get to go and do as investment paths once you get behind the wall of Power Gated, like, I gotta invest enough, right? And so, whenever, whenever you you do that you make content that is more meaningful than just people like oh just play to have fun Uh, that's not really how looter shooters and rpgs work you're not playing to have fun you're playing for a particular reason item or pursuit and this is now in that vein so that's a big long theory about destiny 2 as a whole as a game they ran out of time they had all these great great concepts the analogy i used once is if you go into a museum and there's a big giant skeleton of a brontosaurus it's just a skeleton right you're like well i could go up and push that over and it would all probably come crumbling to the ground but if there were meat on the bones this would be an absolute monster it would be menacing it would be daunting it would be a big leviathan when i looked at destiny 2 that's what i saw I just saw this big brontosaurus skeleton and it was like, if every single one of these bones had meat on them, this would be a fairly large game. And that's how it feels right now. When you look at your milestones each week, your potential, you know, the potential pursuits you have either in Escalation Protocol or in Nightfalls or if you want to run the raid, you know, all these things, That it's this big, giant, daunting task. It's like, I can't do everything each week. You got to kind of pick what you want to do. And I think that's exactly where you want Destiny to be. I remember when they were building Rise of Iron and we didn't really know what we were getting. We didn't really know what was coming. I remember saying if I was Bungie and I was in charge, my my charge to the teams, all the, all the teams and all the different departments would be make it hard for a player to get some, to get all the things done every week. But what about the casual player, Lono? Prioritize what's important to you and go chase it. That is what my response would be. You know? Go and chase the things that matter to you. And 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 that is how it should be. Like, I'm not chasing milestones. I'm not touching Gambit. I'm not touching Crucible. Why? I'm in the 590s. I don't need to be. I don't care about being 600. I'm chasing God Roll Loot. I'm chasing, you know, a Luna, uh, not a Luna's Hell, a Warden's Law with Rampage Outlaw. You know, I'm grinding for that auto rifle in, uh, in Festival of the Lost. These are all things that matter to me, and I'm ignoring other things. I'm a hardcore player, keep in mind, and I'm doing that. I'm ignoring certain things while doing others. That's exactly the place you want to be. Why is that so important? Right? Because everything you ignore in, let's say that you're going to play the game for the next eight weeks. Everything you ignore in weeks one through four is still there for you in weeks seven, eight, uh, six, seven, and eight. Well, five, six, seven, and eight. Sorry. Everything you ignore in weeks one, two, three, and four, five, six, seven, and eight, you can go and do those things. The nightfalls are going to rotate. EP is going to rotate. There's the raid. There's the changing stuff in the Dreaming City. There's Gambit. There's Crucible. There's titles. There's guns. There's God rolls. There's all this stuff. There's all this stuff that's there for you. And that's why giving you more to do than you can get done in a week, I think is an important, it's a very, very important uh structure for destiny and that's why rhythmic content i think is so important like having the haunted forest showing up once a month or if it is here all the time 
having just a loot pursuit that rotates every week like Nightfalls and the Escalation Protocol uh, guns. Um, Death Star Death Starfish says, I still haven't hit 550 yet, and I'm okay with that. I don't have the time to grind like I did in D1, and there's so much to do now. What's your favorite thing in D2 now? I'm loving exploring the Dreaming City and Gambit. This is such a well-timed question. I didn't. I can't pre-read questions. This is a really well-timed question, like everything I just talked about. One of my favorite things to do right now is pursue, uh, is pursue a god roll. So when I see a gun in the Nightfall, or like the Ether Doctor in that one in the Weep Lost Sector on EDZ, or when I was going for the Dust Rock Blues, there's just something really satisfying about that. I don't know why. For me, uh, the Imago Loop Farm in D1 was that. It was like I just wanted one uh, with, I wanted one with explosive rounds. It was just something that I wanted, something that I wanted to get before you know doing Wrath, you know, with before like hanging up Wrath. Like I didn't want to hang Wrath up. I wanted to keep going. I wanted to have that sense of like accomplishment. And it was really, really enjoyable. Uh, so that's my favorite thing to do in the game right now. And the cool thing is, is as a player, you can completely ignore everything I enjoy and I can completely ignore everything you enjoy. And we're both having fun. That's the key to why I just said giving us things to do each week so we can't do it all. If you can do it all, here's what, here's what ends up happening. Okay, there's a couple things that happen if you can do it all. You do things purely because you run out of things to do, which means you're running content you might not particularly enjoy. You also are going to be potentially just feeling like you're bored and spinning your wheels. Well, the only reason I'm doing this is because I kind of don't have anything else to do until reset. So it's mechanical. There's a lot of layers of, of, of dissatisfaction that are going on right now. There's a lot of layers of dissatisfaction. You don't really want to do it. You've run out of things to do in the vein of things that you enjoy. And and you're also just doing it purely for the sake of doing it. You're literally going through the motions. There's a lot of layers, I think, there of dissatisfaction. And that's why that's why it's so important to not ever feel that way. Trippin' Monkey, any thoughts on having theme for us such as a winter uh, for different holidays and such? I don't want to get too gimmicky. I don't want to get too gimmicky. I like the holiday stuff. Um, we already have uh, Festival of the Lost, and then the Dawning is supposed to be like the Christmassy one. I don't know if every time a holiday-themed thing comes up, like Crimson Days and stuff, I don't know if we want to just be like, yeah, just use Haunted Forest. Again, I feel like Haunted Forest is really, really well-built for an, a faction rally-style implementation. I think a faction rally uh, style implementation is really, really where it lands because, because of the nature of it just being a grindable piece of content, waiting for it and just getting it every holiday. I guess somebody might push back and say, yeah, but if you do it rhythmically, it's only going to last for a week. And when you do it for the holidays, it lasts for multiple weeks. Either way, I just want to see the content in the the game more often. And I'm just worried that holiday themed is too spread out in the, and again, I'm saying this in the absence of, we don't have trials. We don't have faction rally. Uh, there's supposed to be that arms week one that eventually is supposed to show up. And that's not in the game right now either. So these are things that could come with time that would add that value. And maybe I wouldn't feel like this needs to show up. We just don't have a lot of that rhythmic content right now 
because so much stuff is kind of on hiatus. And I think this would be a this would be a really really nice filler for some of that. Why they figure out faction rally? Because uh, I I think faction rally is good content. It just it just needs to be you know polished. It needs to be kind of polished up a little bit and made to be uh, better. Um, and then we'd and then we'd have that feeling of like yeah I want I want to do faction rally instead of like oh here comes faction rally I got to put up with all those things that people didn't like about it. Xbox Terminator says, do you think putting Not Forgotten behind Legend Ranking Comp is too much? Seems impossible to 99% of the people. No, I think we need more things like that. I think we need more things like that. In a Loot Pursuit game, I wanted, uh, and, I, and I'm gonna, I may do an entire video on this, I want an NPC for the raid so that I can chase a gun or a piece of armor or something that you can't get unless you run the raid a ton of times. Similar to... You know, the legend ranking cop being achievable by a very, very small margin of people or whatever rank it requires. Um, I just think I just think that that is uh, that's a good thing to have in a loot pursuit game. It creates that long term chase. It rewards those folks that are like, I'm just going to keep running the raid each week. I'm going to take people through the raid. I think we're actually missing the the counterpart to not forgotten Luna's Howl and the broadsword I feel like we're missing that to a certain degree in the PVE side of the game which is unfortunate because the PVE side of the game is the one that is you know got the most going on and it has the largest portion of the player base in it so I would love to see those things added cat4565 uh, says do you have any thoughts as to why Bungie might have changed the Hawthorne bounties from 750 XP to 1,000. I dislike that they seem to be tied to Crucible and Gambit activities only. Yeah, I feel like she needs diversity in her in her bounties. I don't know why they increased the XP payout. Um, maybe people aren't doing them or aren't motivated. Maybe it was like a funky amount that you had to do each week or something. I'm not sure if they expressed the mentality behind changing XP payout. But I do know that I agree with you that in clan clan stuff, there's there's blind well usually, and then like escalation protocol shotguns, a few other things. I I think that there should be a whole there should be an even spread between the two. I agree with you. Maybe we're being inaccurate in our summary. I've not gone in and added it all up, but I always feel like when I go in and add it all up, I'm like, man, oh man, she's just got so much in here for Gambit and Crucible and nothing for the rest. So. Tyler FC1 says, Hey, what's up, Rage? I used to play ESO Elder Scrolls Online, and they had a solo mode called Maelstrom Arena that was super endgame solo and really good rewards. I would love to see it in Destiny. What are your thoughts on it? I don't know what it's like, so I can't weigh in on it. Um, I don't think we need solo stuff in the game, though. I think we have plenty to do that is soloable. I think this game is built for people playing together and cooperative, and that's what they should invest in. King Boomstick. Yesterday, you talked about having SMGs that could use special energy ammo. Should every weapon type have models that could use special ammo? Currently, seven kinetic ammo weapons, five special... um, Hang on a second. I got to get this res or we're going to be in bad shape. Uh, uh, With shotguns and snipers being able to have kinetic and special ammo, would you suggest the change to improve on this? I mean, I don't know if I want to see energy weapon hand cannons... Um, again, that might be cool to run completely different loadouts than we've ever seen. So you may be onto something. There may be something there. 
uh, with respect to saying, well, if you if you go in and you and you do a loadout with an energy hand cannon, your potential damage output is so high now because it uses energy weapon. Oh, it's freaking blackout. I'm gonna die. <laughs> Because, you know, you can do so much, you know, damage output with a hand cannon now. You're going to be incentivized to run a very, very different loadout. Maybe the hand cannon consistently runs out of ammo. And that creates that sense of, like, I'm going to run this. It's going to make me play quite a bit differently. But I'm getting a trade of damage, of you know, a damage increase. So SMGs, auto rifles, you know, all these weapons could potentially get that treatment. And then feel like... Man, I'm going to run a loadout that's never really existed in Destiny before. This would be a good way. This would be a really, really good way to unseat Escalation Protocol Shotgun. Be a really good way to unseat it. Like an energy auto rifle that uses energy ammo and is really, really strong. Well, yeah, I have to use a Dust Rock Blue Shotgun instead now, and it's a little bit weaker. But this auto rifle gets this... Gets this automatic damage buff because it's now an energy weapon and you'd rein it in by doing you know ammo ammo restrictions so you would probably be needing to kind of monitor your ammo a little bit that might get a little finicky because then you're you're running out of what basically is your primary means of damage in the game which is your primary weapon and so again though again if that added diversity and loadout and and creativity from players that's a net benefit the net benefit is things that you know didn't really exist before and you feel like you can you know do experimentation with stuff so and witness has to go after we finish this if somebody else wants to jump in and this is the last question unless people want to submit more questions romano cheese do you think they should add the haunted forest as a new mercury activity and the rewards be random rolled mercury forge guns i mean that would be a start you could that would be a start to just repurpose existing content just say, hey, you know, all the all the Mercury guns can now drop random rolled and have the mod slot on them. That isn't super exciting because a lot of the Mercury guns probably already have existing counterparts in the game. And that would mean that you wouldn't really want to run them. Again, that'd be a cosmetic chase. Well, I think the, the Forge weapons look cool. So I'm going to go grind this Mercury activity for these weapons with different rolls and then I can mod them, etc. There's nothing wrong with that, but I just don't think that's going far enough. That would be a start to say it's available each week and there's a different forge weapon each week that drops from the final boss or that can drop from the bosses. And the you know, the random rolls and the 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 moddable nature of the guns make them maybe appealing. And again, this is where this is where perks play such a huge role. Perks play such a huge role in this discussion because if you added unique perks to that pursuit, you're talking about something that then has viability as far as an interest and an intrigue to the to the player. Um, you're talking about something that like, oh, I'm actually going to go for this because it it matters it, it i don't i've never seen this perk before i'm gonna try it out now obviously people could hit reddit and the forums and be like that's nah, garbage not good you know people are already doing that with this auto rifle that's in the game uh for festival of the lost people are already saying oh it's a piece of trash why bother you know, that's already happening so but and that doesn't mean though that if the auto rifle had a unique perk on it, it could still it could still have that that draw. It could still have that incentive for people to be like, 
I'm going to chase this because it's unique and it's different. Um, we don't, we don't have that. That's why the warden's law is interesting to me because it has the potential to be a unique weapon. If they fix the way the bullets register on crits, because triple tap and, and triple tap and fourth times the charm have the potential to proc in a unique way on the gun. Meaning it's a gun that you really can't get anywhere unless you go grind for a triple tap version. If you go grind for a, um, a four, the curated loadout has fourth times the charm on it, right? So you could, ah, oh, I was trying to get that freaking heavy ammo. You definitely, you could definitely, I think, do that. So, um, next question from No Live says, how do you feel about them not doing a prestige raid, uh, and instead making more content like the Haunted Forest and you're playing right now? I don't think a prestige raid was the answer. They proved that their version of prestige content was, in my opinion, not that impressive. Curated loadouts and raid layers didn't have a strong and and positive response. uh, And there were other things about it, I think, that made it unappealing. Uh, you just, you felt weak doing it. You felt weak in there. You had to run a loadout that was maybe really annoying and you couldn't equip, you know, your favorite or more coveted gear. Um, and then you just kind of felt like, man, I'm going in here and it's, it's just, I feel like a a piece of tissue paper or I'm, I'm having to run a loadout that's annoying, or I can't use this gun that I really, really like. I think that that hurt the prestige, uh, content. And I think that, I think when you when you look at prestige content uh and you say okay what's going to be the reason that it's hard i i think at a ground level there's ways to do prestige content that doesn't just make a player feel weak you don't need to make a player feel weak in order to make the content good um I think you can make content that's exciting. I think you can make content that is challenging. And I think that's what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to create content that is more about challenging the player in a unique way and not having it be so not... I don't want to say... I don't want to continue to say false difficulty too much. I say false difficulty a lot. And I think sometimes my the false difficulty... Uh, statement gets gets thrown around by people that don't necessarily understand what I mean by false difficulty. So, um, but I do feel like a lot of the prestige content felt like a false difficulty. Solstice of Heroes, the curated loadouts and the raid layers, and the prestige raid and the prestige raid all felt like the primary source of challenge was making the player feel like a, a weak piece of garbage, right? Well, you're weak. We're gonna and you're gonna get smacked around, and that is um, that and that is the primary source of challenge. Uh, I don't find that particularly fun or winsome, so I don't mind that they didn't do it. Now, the challenges through the bounties at Hawthorne are glitch. That's not supposed to happen. There should be a challenge each week, right? You want to go to the tower? Sorry, I loaded another one. We'll go to the tower after this one. That, that, those challenges are supposed to be there every week. So that's a glitch that they're going to fix. That's a glitch that they're going to fix. So I think once you do that, you're going to have the challenges. You're going to have the different ways of running the wishes. I personally think you should be able to do the wish thing every week. 
You should be able to go in, do the wish thing, and get the extra key. Go in and do the challenge from Hawthorne. Go in and do fill in the blank. There should be rotating things that make the raid feel different, but rewarding every single week, and that's just not something... That's just not something that's happening. Thank you, Tyler, for the brand new sub. Enjoy your dope badge and emotes. Enjoy ad-free viewing. Appreciate that, man. So, uh... El Pinto Loco says, El Pinto, probably El Pinto Loco. Do you think it would be a good idea if once you hit 600, your prime buff becomes a weekly exotic buff? Uh, yeah, I'm co-signing that. That sounds good. That sounds real good. Because the prime buff, the prime buff once you hit 600 isn't, isn't, uh, isn't all that exciting. An exotic buff would be pretty cool. That guarantees you one exotic per week. I don't think that's too bad. Um, now, uh, let me, let me tweak this a little bit. Let me tweak this a little bit. It should end up netting you one exotic per week. Um, you want to be careful about the ability to leave them on the ground because then people could cheese it and farm exotics for an infinitude and end up with like, you know, seven exotics on the ground. So you would want it to be something like, okay, you get to choose between the normal prime buff that you've been getting, or you can check this box and convert it to an exotic drop rate thing that literally they'd have to tweak it so it doesn't it it doesn't stay there if you don't pick the exotics up. Like as soon as the exotic is dropped and in the world, you're done. It's gone. I think that would be a good way to implement your idea because you wouldn't want people to be able to cheese exotic drops by leaving them on the ground, and you wouldn't want it to be like a oh you haven't played in a while you're gonna get like a bunch of exotics your your exotic buff's not gonna go away you're just gonna keep it though. So, 25 months from Elusive Doc, dude. Thank you for two years plus one. Appreciate you, man. Uh, thank you very much for sticking with me that long. Zero, then one. Do you think they should bring D1 Heroic Raid concept back? Extra mechanics and no revive without the white mechanic. Okay, so I, I defended Bungie's endgame philosophy a little bit ago, and it was because they shifted away from the philosophy, which was, you're going to feel like tissue paper, right? That's the main source of challenge. They're not doing that. They're not just adding a prestige, you know, raid content where the main source of difficulty is they make you feel weak. I just don't feel like that makes sense within being a, a game about, like, pursuing power and pursuing strength and leveling up. That, to me, just doesn't make sense, uh... You know, within the realm of like the logic of the game, like why am I grinding for God to your guns and God to your gear if I'm gonna earn my way into endgame content and my reward for getting into endgame content is to feel weak and 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 to feel like a, a piece of trash? That to me just doesn't make sense. I want more of it, so I'm defending them pivoting away from that. But what I do want to do is go back in, in in time and say King's Fall, I think, and Wrath were the perfect spectrum of normal to hard content. Okay, and I'm going to explain what I mean. Nightfall, I'm, I'm sorry, King's Fall was probably the best. King's Fall was probably the best setup. Alright? King's Fall, they designed hard first. What is the absolute most we think is appropriate for requiring a team to do? What is the absolute hardest interpretation of this fight and these mechanics? And then they dialed those mechanics back for normal. There was no unstable light. There was no uh, light eater nights. You know, the sisters thing. They gave you a little window of time so that you could uh, 
you can have a little bit of time to get to your plates and get set, right? They use those mechanics to ramp up pressure, and that was the difference between normal and hard. They did the very same thing in, in, in Wrath. Wrath was more about... Wrath was more about managing more of the same mechanics, increased pain, increased pressure, and that, I think, is how endgame content should be created and that spectrum. I think that's superior to what we have now. What we have now is, well, there's challenges and stuff that you can do. Yeah, but that's that's not the content itself. That's not like self-contained. That's like on top of it. That's separate. And the prestige things that we got in, you know, in Leviathan and Leviathan layers, you know, didn't didn't achieve that e- either. So I think when you look at the the design of King's Fall and Wrath, the reason that it worked so well was you didn't just say, "Hey, you're weak now. Enjoy that." You said, "Ah, you got to do more as a team. You got to manage more things. You got to spin more plates. That adds pain. That adds things that can be." mitigated maintained and then you become proficient at it right you come you become proficient at cannons you become proficient at killing light eater knights and that's a rewarding sensation i don't think it's that rewarding to be like hey we overcome the delta or oh yeah now we're stronger so the main thing that made this harder isn't really existent anymore you know the main thing that made the main thing that made if we're honest Last wish so hard at the beginning was the fact that it you, everybody was freaking weak and getting you know demolished by trash ads while they tried to you know solve the solve the encounters and stuff. That was the main source of of challenge. That's why that's why polished teams now that are at level are like yeah this raid's no eat no no problem. I liked the I liked the King's Fall and Wrath of the Machine era better because I just felt like that philosophy makes more sense. Here is the most we can ask a team to do. That's hard. Dial it down for normal and then go forward. Now, this question's asking about the revive mechanic. I think the revive mechanic is fine now, but I feel like it's going to have to go away eventually. It only works in raids that have been built like Last Wish and and uh, and Leviathan. I think as soon as you start to try to design other raids, that I think that revive mechanic is going to continue to be like a problem because it is a one-size-fits-all pain point, and I feel like Golgoroth had that mechanic, right? Soft and rage, he, you basically get wiped if too many people die, and there's like a small window of clutch. It's basically an an iteration on the soft and rage mechanic, the, de- the wipe and rage mechanic at Golgoroth, and they just put it everywhere. I think that makes it hard for you to create endgame content because you've always got to be like well I don't know about that Charlie why this is such a cool idea yeah but that that revive mechanic man people are going to be getting killed by the revive mechanic you got the team split up for too long or what have you or you know whatever so I think they need to leave it in the dustbin and I think encounters need to have their self their own self-contained uh mechanics like Golgroth had his own Warpriest had one Right? If you waited too long at Warpriest, man, he, he wiped you, right? Oh, you took too long, man. You got wiped. I think that's fine. I think that's how it should be. I think content, I think encounters should have their own, their own in, in, entrenched, ah, their own encased challenges and, and, and pain points and white mechanics. I think that's just more fun. I think the revive mechanic over time is just going to, is just going to be seen for what it is. And it's a deficient one size fits all you know, well, we don't have to design any, none of the encounters need to soft enrage. We have one all the time. 
I think eventually that those chickens are going to come home to roost and limit creativity and, and it's going to limit raid design. Jaggy Snake, maybe Infinite Forest could be a way of bringing different versions of D1 gear back. They'd be different from the originals because it came from a different timeline, a descendant version of Confluence, for example. Yeah, I mean, this is one of my ideas. I don't know if you've ever heard me say this. I'm okay with them bringing back the old raids in the Infinite Forest because I'm dead. Oh, he didn't swing at me. You could have a dark future version of Vault of Glass, which then means you could have alternate versions of the weapons. A dark future version of Fatebringer. A dark future version of... I got no crits that time. That's unfortunate. Dark future versions of all those weapons. Because now you're like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna go for those guns. It's not a Fatebringer. It's a different... It's even got a different name, right? You could even You could even call it something different. You could have it have a different name, slightly different appearance, but everybody would know it was the dark future version of the Fatebringer. Everybody would know that, and I think that would be uh, a really, really cool evolution of old content. TTV Contract says, uh, what do you get from farming this? Sorry, I haven't started my Festival of Lost yet. I've been hearing about this auto rifle. Is it good or is it worth it? I don't think the auto rifle is going to be a major game changer, It's, but it's it's worth it for people that aren't 600 because it automatically drops at 600. If you think it's garbage, it's worth it probably for the Masterwork cores. You grind this over and over for a currency that you then use at, at uh, the um, Amanda Holiday, and then you buy it from her, basically. So that's that's what we're grinding for. Now, in my video about this, I said because of random rolls, I think there's a great opportunity here to to create uh, gear for this that then can drop random rolls. So while you're in here, gear is dropping. I think that makes any grindable content. I think gets immediately better with gear drops. It just automatically gets better. You can get a drop. It can have a random roll. You check the roll. That's exciting. All content gets better uh, when you add that element to it. So that is that is my feedback. So I think I think your your question is right. It's like why would I go in there and grind it? What am I getting? You know, is the auto rifle worth it? I think the auto rifle is worth it for a variety of reasons. If you like chasing gear, if you like auto rifles, it's a good auto rifle. And then if you want the masterwork cores or just a, a primary, a front like not a free but a fairly reasonably uh, not difficult to get 600 par- primary, you know. Uh, casual gamer, do you think Bungie should put powerful drops on old raids like Kalos and Argos because they seem irrelevant? I don't know if old raids should have eternal relevancy. Part of me sees why people would want that. It's great content, you know, but I feel like they did what you're asking. It just doesn't have, it just, again, doesn't have infinite relevancy. There's catalysts you can get from those raids that matter, like Sleeper Catalyst, uh, and then the Catalyst for... um, How many Catalysts are there? There's the Sleeper Catalyst. There's the... uh, What's the other one? There's the Telesto Catalyst. Um, These are are things you can go and grind for that, uh, that are probably... You know, worth getting. Now, obviously, like I said, that's not going to persist, right? Once you get the catalyst, you ain't going back in. You know, you don't really want to. But as far as them dropping powerful drops and saying, oh, they should have it, you know, an infinite amount of relevancy, I don't know if there's a good argument to be made for that. Um, now, if the if the drops are in, you know, infrequent or there's just a chance, 
And then somebody might push back and say, well, they're just powerful drops, Lono. What's the big deal? It's just going to help people level up. Um, you know, what's the problem with that? I don't necessarily know if there's a problem for it. So I might, I'm, I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth here. You don't necessarily need it to have infinite relevancy, but infinite relevancy from it doesn't necessarily hurt anything either. Yeah, Telesto, Acrius, and the, and the Sleeper. I don't know. I don't think I would be upset if they added, you know, an extended relevancy to the old raids by saying, yeah, there's powerful drops in there. Go, go have a ball. Um, or if they say, no, we think, you know, raids shouldn't have their time in the sun. And then they, you know, they drop out of relevancy. I don't think either, I don't think either position is necessarily wrong or harmful to the game. I think either position could be defended from well-reasoned argumentation, and that, then it just kind of comes down to kind of preference and what Bungie wants, what does Bungie want for raids? What's their philosophy? You know, do they they feel like raids should have, you know, extended relevancy beyond their delivery? And, be, and beyond their DLC. I cannot believe that I'm missing this guy, dude. That turn, that, is Amosis, is Amosis nerfed across the board on Sleeper? Or is it only in Gambit? Because I felt like, I don't know, I felt like old Sleeper would have been landing those shots. <laughs> and I mean, I'm bad, so I'm, you know, I'm missing, but still, I feel like old Sleeper would have been grabbing that guy. I was getting pretty dead gum close to him. <laughs> uh... TTV uh, contracts. Do you think if you die in a raid, you should lose your revive token also? Um, I don't know. Again, I think the revive mechanic as it... I disagree with the premise behind the revive system. So, if they remove the timer, then I might answer your question with a yes. Because that's a way to limit what a team can do. And they did that in D1... And I think it worked. I think it worked rather well. I think in D1 saying you can't revive or you can revive. I think I think that was fine. Um, I don't think there was a problem with that. I think it worked as a pain point. Now I think it was the most painful in King's Fall because you could throw so much time investment away, right? not being able to revive people King's Fall as a raid really really shifts and changes when you can't revive people so you have like a ton you have like a ton of time investment in oryx and totems and it's like it's over somebody dies on the totem you can't go res the man you can't bounce back like totems is almost always a wipe when someone dies not always it was very narrowly clutchable from like really really high skilled players um so I think the revive mechanic as it functions needs retooled. And so if they get rid of the timer, I might say, yeah, you know, if you die, you lose your, you know, you lose your res token. That's okay. Um, You know, I might be okay with that. I'm going to theorize something about the haunted forest right now. I think at level 15, this invincible uh, nightmare, I think he becomes damageable. Because he's a nightmare, and I think eventually we can kill all the nightmares. And I think he's the nightmare that will will kill, and we'll get a guarantee to... You got all three of us. How would you get res and stay there? Um, I think eventually he... I think he becomes killable in the 15th, uh, in the 15th branch, personally. So. Duplis. 
Did you notice the Duke uh, is the same gun that the guy was using in the E3 2013 Destiny 1 gameplay reveal? I thought it was a pretty cool throwback. Um, it's not necessarily the same gun. They've just got they've just got uh, models that they've used, and the model for the Duke has is is just has been around for a long, long time. Um, so sometimes I feel like people bring this stuff up to like take a slight, like. Oh man, the Duke was around back then. Does uh, reskin content? I mean, Dupe's not saying that, but bringing it up sometimes, I feel like people bring this stuff up as a negative. It's Destiny, and guns in Destiny are going to have a look and a feel that I don't have a problem with those looks and feels persisting from the game's inception to now. I think that's okay. I think they added enough cool-looking and new-looking guns uh, in Forsaken that I'm going to give them a pass on things like the Duke. Um, looking like hand cannons from D1. That doesn't bother me that much. Um, doesn't bother me that much. I'm fine with it. No. It's the exact same gun in name. Yeah, but there were other guns in D1 that looked like that, so we don't know that the gun in the reveal was the Duke. Um, and I think the Duke was a blue. Wasn't the Duke a blue gun in D1 and not a legendary? I thought it was a, I thought the Duke was a blue gun. Um, and I'm fairly certain there were other hand cannons that looked like the Duke in D1. Just like there was, you know, there were multiple versions that looked like the, uh, the Vision of Confluence. There were multiple scouts that looked like that. There were, once Imago Loop showed up, there were multiple hand cannons that looked like Fatebringer. Last question from the Nightman187. Thoughts on black weapons? Do you think they will be in the meta? Sorry if you've been asked this a hundred times already. I've not been asked this a hundred times already. I'm not really sure how, what they're going to do with black weapons. Um, are they meant to be? Uh, are they meant to be weapons that unseat exotics? Are they meant to be weapons that unseat escalation protocol? Are they meant to be weapons that unseat god roll weapons? You know, like. We don't talk about it a lot, but Midnight Coup makes it really hard to justify really, really chasing hand cannons. Marginal difference between, you know, hand cannons that roll with Outlaw Rampage and Midnight Coup. It's a pretty small difference. It's a pretty small difference, and that makes it hard to justify the pursuit, I think. Because you're like, why are you chasing this gun? Just put on the Midnight Coup. Uh, and again, Bungie wanting to respect player investment is fine, but I think I think you you don't necessarily disrespect player investment by saying new gear is going to be far and away better uh, than your previous gear, which I theorized was going to be the case. I animately told you guys I was like, I don't think you're going to be able to just keep using year one gear. I think they're going to say no to that. Um, I think they're going to say no to that. They're going to be like, nah, this new gear is way better. This new gear has got significant reasons to use it. It's got better perks, etc. I think my what my prediction can come true if and only if they decide they decide to start adding really really new saucy perks. If they don't add new and saucy perks, it's it's man, it is really hard to hit crits now. It is really hard to hit crits now on certain enemies with sleeper. Gee, many frick. New perks are always going to be the way I think to unseat the old stuff. And I think maybe that's why Forsaken feels so... Maybe Forsaken's intentionally reined in so that Black Armory, Joker's Wild, and Penumbra can create loot pursuit. 
Because why are you going to pursue really anything beyond what we get right now if it's always the same scenario of, oh, you can just run Sleeper, you can just run your Outlaw Rampage, you can just run this, you can just run that. Without new perks, none of that stuff matters that much. Maybe this has been intentionally reined in for that reason. Maybe they said, yeah, well, the only way we're going to make Penumbra, Joker's Wild, and Black Armory matter to people is if we're like... Uh, there's new perks now, and you're like, oh, really? Let me check out these new perks. I think that's one of one of the things that could be, uh, potentially could be going on. Um, so, uh, if you're listening to this uh, right now live, I'm going to continue streaming, but I'm going to do a little outro for the people listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. I appreciate you guys watching and listening to all of my content. Please like, share, and subscribe.